0: Welcome to Follow, a Latter-day Saint scripture poetry podcast. My name is Mary Jane Rice. Thank you for joining me today. The reading this week is 2 Nephi, chapters 6 through 10. The poem I'm sharing today was inspired by Jacob's words to his people after they had separated themselves from the Lamanites as recorded in 2 Nephi, chapter 9, verse 51. Please note that this Jacob is Nephi's younger brother, not the Jacob mentioned in the Old Testament. If you'd like to read along, you can find this poem on my website at maryjanerice.com. Let's begin. Feast We sit in a clearing as wind pulses through trees, moves hearts to quiver. We gather close, tuck children like chicks under wing. We feel like the last people at the end of the world, alone escaped of Israel. Jacob interprets Isaiah by God's gift. He speaks of hand stretched out, ready to winnow and whittle a remnant. We feel the old story flow. Riven cities and abandoned families sink deep, new layers we know ourselves. We pick through ancient words, glean our shade by day, beacon by night. The future seems aloof; we scarcely dare to hope for someone soon to part the curtain over tables laid with fresh bread, water drawn from saving wells, fruits so sweet that tasting tunes our tongues to angel song. Like his brother Nephi, Jacob highly valued the words of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. We have at least some of his explanations and interpretations of Isaiah recorded in 2 Nephi. In my poem, I imagine Jacob delivering these words to his people during a meeting in a forest clearing. A lot of what Jacob reads to them from Isaiah has to do with the scattered remnants of Israel that would eventually return to Zion in joy. I think he focused on these themes because of how isolated and alone his people must have felt, especially after they escaped from the Lamanites. To save their lives. Now they were not only separated from Jerusalem, but they were separated from family members who had stayed behind. And surely the Lamanites were not the only potential enemies surrounding them in this strange new environment. They must have identified very strongly with the old stories of the children of Israel leaving Egypt. They also had to rely on the Lord day and night for their protection. Another reason Jacob may have read Isaiah to his people is because of the messianic prophecies contained in them. They may not have felt like they had much to rejoice about in their circumstances, but he wanted to assure them that they did. In 2 Nephi chapter 9, verse 3, he says, Behold, my beloved brethren, I speak unto you these things that ye may rejoice, and lift up your heads forever, because of the blessings which the Lord God shall bestow upon your children." It seems like every generation thinks it is the last one before the end of the world, both in political and spiritual terms. Wars and diseases and earthquakes and floods come and go, and all of them look like potential fulfillments of the signs Jesus said would precede his return. But the Lord is not in the wind and the fire and the earthquake. One day he will return— But maybe the prophecies of wars and rumors of wars and all the scary things, save for the very end, were also meant to help keep us vigilant in our own lives so we can prepare for our own meeting with him when we die. The little battles and earthquakes in our own lives teach us endurance and keep us on our toes, ever reliant on the Lord's blessings, just like the children of Israel. I think this is partly what Jacob was trying to convey rejoice because these things will be fulfilled, both in the grand scope of history and on a personal level. We will not be forgotten by the Lord or miss seeing his prophecies fulfilled in our own lives. I'll end by reading what I think is the most hopeful part of Jacob's discourse in Second Nephi chapter 9 verses 20 through 22. Oh, how great the holiness of our God, For he knoweth all things, and there is not any thing save he knows it. And he cometh into the world, that he may save all men, if they will hearken unto his voice. For behold, he suffereth the pains of all men, yea, the pains of every living creature, both men, women, and children, who belong to the family of Adam. And he suffereth this, that the resurrection might come. Pass upon all men that all might stand before him at the great and judgment day. These words comfort me even when I feel like the last lonely person at the end of the world. Now I'll read the poem for you again Feast. We sit in a clearing as wind pulses through trees, moves hearts to quiver. We gather close tuck children like chicks under wing. We feel like the last people at the end of the world, alone escaped of Israel. Jacob interprets Isaiah by God's gift. He speaks of hand stretched out, ready to winnow and whittle a remnant. We feel the old story flow. Riven cities and abandoned families sink deep, new layers we know ourselves. We pick through ancient words, glean our shade by day, beacon by night. The future seems aloof. We scarcely dare to hope for someone soon, to part the curtain over tables laid with fresh bread, water drawn from saving wells, fruit so sweet that tasting tunes our tongues to angel song. That's all for today. You can find more of my poetry at facebook.com slash Latter-day Saint Poetry, or visit MaryJaneRice.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-J-A-N-E-Rice.com. My contact information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. May your time spent in the scriptures this week be rewarding.